In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus encourages his followers to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world, doing good works and keeping God's commandments. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the fifth chapter. Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how can its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The Gospel of our Lord. So last week, Jesus took the four disciples he had at the time up the side of a mountain where he and they sat and he began to instruct them on discipleship and living into the reign of God. And we call this, you know, three-chapter portion of Matthew's gospel the Sermon on the Mount, and it's the ethical discourse, not for decision-making or the like. The ethical discourse is focused on the practice of living as oriented toward the realm of heaven and the will of God. Jesus gives us instructions for how we ought to live together as a society, a community, as disciples, as communities of faith together. I told you that while crowds had followed and were eavesdropping, the disciples were there as his students, not passively taking in the teachings of their rabbi like the eavesdropping crowd but actively engaged in listening and engaging with the spoken word through asking questions and talking back, expanding on what has been said. And I ask you to imagine yourself taking the place of one of those four receiving instruction from Jesus himself, turning over his words in your mind, asking him questions that clarify and expand on what he has said. Discipleship comes with responsibility to respond, to ask questions, to engage with the teachings and the world around us. So again, imagine yourself sitting with Jesus, hearing him speak directly to you. Who do you think Jesus is talking about when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does he mean by blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted? 
Who do you picture when he says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth? Are you one who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, for justice? Are you merciful, receiving to the mercy of others? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. What does God look like? What does Jesus mean by peace or peacemaking when he says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God? And what does it really mean to be persecuted for faith? And just to be clear, we as white mainline Protestant Christians in the United States are very much not a persecuted class. But often our neighbors of other faiths, especially those who are Jewish, Muslim, or Sikh, experience religious persecution. What are your questions for Jesus? What are your talkbacks as you seek to understand these unusual blessings? Jesus continues, telling those seated around him, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Today, sitting with Jesus, we hear him talk about the things, the good works we ought to do. Not for our own individual sakes or for boasting of our own goodness. Our good works are to glorify God to witness to our neighbors the goodness of God. Whatever good deeds we do ought to come from a place of love, of love for God and to love like God. Salt doesn't exist for itself, nor does light exist for itself, but both are, in fact, necessary for life. Preaching and worship scholar O. Wesley Allen Jr. says, Salt and light are metaphors for the whole orientation of the ethical life to be exhibited by the Christian community and its members, not simply for individual ethical acts. Well, salt flavors. It preserves. And though not known to Jesus and his contemporaries, small amounts of sodium are essential for our bodies to work. When Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, he means, as Amy Jill Levine puts it, that the disciples exist not for themselves, but for the world. The disciples are to season, to color, to make more alive the world. Their very presence is a blessing. When any person sees them, that person can take heart in knowing that the disciples represent what is good in the world. If you don't share your flavor, if you don't help to preserve what is good, if you insist on your way, own way over what is helpful and good for your neighbor in need, then you have wasted the blessings of God and lost your saltiness. Light illuminates our homes and our skies. It is vital to our ecosystems as green plants and other organisms use 
sunlight to synthesize their foods from carbon dioxide and water, photosynthesis, something I hated learning in school, but so important. Our calendars are made in part by the ebbs and flows of light and the seasons, and we can use solar energy for electric power. When Jesus tells us, you are the light of the world, he tells us that we are to be refuge and safety. We are to go into dark places of loneliness and despair, like prisons and homeless camps. To quote AJ again, Jesus' followers are to become like that city on a hill, a refuge, a home, a place where there is salt and light, love and compassion. If you hoard your light, fail to share your illumination, your gifts, talents, blessings, you have failed to give glory to God, to witness to the goodness of God. I'm really loving quoting Amy Jill Levine. And again, she says, to be a disciple means less about believing in a set of propositions and more about acting upon God's word as interpreted by Jesus. To be a disciple is less about set belief and about being active in the word of God. She continues, we realize that the Sermon on the Mount is designed to encourage us to recognize the potential we have as created in the image and likeness of God to act as if divine will occurs on earth as it does in heaven. Blessed as we are with the Beatitudes, blessed to be salt and light, we are also responsible for sharing what has been given us, or we waste the gifts of God. So last week, I started us with a couple of rhetorical questions instead of my usual ending with them. And even though I've already given you several today, I'm going to repeat last week's openers. What do we owe one another? What do we owe one another for righteous living? for building a healthy, merciful, just society that points to the realm of God. What do we even believe that the realm of God looks like? Share your blessings. Season the world. Be a place of refuge. Amen.